how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In chapter and verse, reformed gang leader S. Lance Ingram, played by Daniel Betty, returns to Harlem after a 10-year prison sentence. Despite getting a computer degree while in prison, Ingram is unable to find a qualified job and ends up delivering meals for a local food bank. Ingram befriends Miss Maddie, played by Loretta Davis and inspired by Tupac's mother, Frenny Shakur, and through her, he meets the boy whom he chooses to try and mentor. Through these new relationships, Ingram finds hope and starts to relearn the joys of life despite his many hurdles from society. I got the chance to speak with writer-director Jamal Joseph about writing a film based on his own experiences, the importance of having comedy within a drama, and not wanting to shoot for a big studio movie. I got into screenwriting, well, it was an outgrowth of my involvement in theater, but I became involved in theater um, when I was a young member of the Black Panther Party in New York, and there was something called the Black Arts Movement also happening. And so people were doing spoken word and theater, and they were obviously about social justice issues and about Black pride issues. And then um, as a young Panther, I wound up in serving time in Leavenworth Prison for my involvement in the Black Panther Party. And I formed a theater company. And at first, it was just going to be a group to put on a play for Black History Month. And as we were rehearsing, some of the Latino brothers came around, and then I invited them into the circle. And some of the white brothers came around, and the Asian brothers. And we became a multicultural, troop to power, let's share our experiences kind of group. And so I started writing and directing these plays and then got really interested every weekend. They would show a film in watching film. And then I saw the power of writing in film. And 
uh, when I was released from prison, um, I took some screenwriting classes. I was doing theater and then first started writing uh, smaller films dealing with um, uh, the AIDS epidemics that was happening in New York in this time. By now, we're talking about the late 80s, the early 90s, um, educational films. um, And uh, that led to a a fellowship at uh, Sundance, the Sundance Directing Institute, um, where I had a project um, and did some more writing and directing. And from there, I realized the power of film uh, and the power of screenwriting uh, to tell a story. In addition to your experiences, what are some of the cinematic influences that kind of inspired you to get into filmmaking? One of the films I saw in Leavenworth uh, was a, a film called The Man Who Fell to Earth uh, that was written and directed by John Sayles, and it was Joe Morton's uh, acting debut. And it was um, the story of a man who was a slave that was running, a black man who was a slave that was an escaped slave, but the idea is that the, uh, that he was from another planet running from white slave traders. And um, Joe Morton's character couldn't speak. Um, He was mute, but he was able to communicate. And this this film um, really blew my mind because he was able to to talk about social issues and cultural. And John Sayles was dead on in how he captured life in a black bar and a black barbershop and kind of all of those images. And... um, it showed me that how effective you could be in just bringing characters to life first on the page and then on screen um, who were authentic and who could talk about their problems in a real way. Other films are, and other influences are The Godfather, um, Spike Lee's work, um, uh, The Hudlin Brothers, um, uh, Martin Scorsese's work. Um, so, you know, so all of these things inspired me to um, to first take a look at what was happening on the page as I looked at, at writers and directors and then um, have the ability to have uh, a document that I call a living document in terms of the screenplay, uh, more than just a blueprint for a movie, but something where your characters and your story and your dialogue are like literally coming alive on the page uh, and it makes the filmmaker's job easier to make you come alive on screen. Mm-hmm. How much of yourself is kind of projected into the film chapter and verse? Chapter and verse um, is 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 deeply influenced by my own life. Uh, chapter and verse is the story of um, a man getting out of prison, returning to Harlem after eight years. Um, I returned to Harlem um, uh, as, after almost six years. The last time that I was away, Daniel Beatty, who co-wrote the script with me, lives in Harlem. Um, his father spent years and years in prison. Daniel's older brother spent time in prison. And so uh, I understood, we understood what it is to try to come out after you've been incarcerated and try to rebuild your life, um, to try to make new friends, new connections, to try to stay away from those things that, um, you know, cause you to go to prison in the first place, what it is to be invisible, what it is for people to be suspicious of you once they 
know that you've been in prison, and also what the lives of the people that you are encountering are about. The young people, Miss Maddie's character, the grandmother who's been raising her grandson. So a lot of the incidents and a lot of the exchanges happened to me, not at uh, some exactly the way they portrayed in the film, and some are influenced by the stories of a lot of men and women that I know who uh, came home from prison and were dealing with the struggles of reentry and trying to have a second chance in life. Mm-hmm. Daniel plays the lead role of Lance, too. Is that correct? Yes, he's the lead okay. role of Lance. There's a good mix of like comedy within the heartbreak in this film. Uh, like, For example, there's a mugging scene, and then there's the blind man has the CID and the kitchen food fight. Um, how important is comedy in such a serious film like this? Well, I think in general, comedy or, or pacing, you know, I'll talk about pacing and screenwriting is real important. And so that I think if you're writing a drama that's like relentlessly serious and sad and angry, um, that it's, it's, it's hard to keep your attention on that, that story. That's kind of like a roller coaster rolling in a straight line. And with comedy, I think the opposite is true. I think that you have to have some moments where the audience can stand back and see the tragedy within the comedy. Um, when I was in Sundance, um, there was a directing the actor workshop that was taught by the late great Hume Cronin, amazing actor and director. And he was talking to us about character work. And he said something that really influences my writing and my directing. He said whenever he's developing a character, he looks for a little bit of angel inside of the devil and a little bit of devil inside the angel. Um, and so I think that's true in character work and in the way that they, they, they interact. What's also true about the world that, um, that we're talking about in Harlem, the streets of Harlem, um, and juxtaposed against Harlem that's gentrified, um, it is that there is there is comedy, there is humor. People laugh to celebrate their humanity. Sometimes people laugh to keep from crying. So I was trying to make the, the the lives of the characters as real as possible. And these characters do laugh, they do cry, um, and, and and hopefully reflective of 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 how you know, of three-dimensional, the three-dimensional lines that, that, that these uh, characters are based on. How important is the role of fathers and sons in this film? We kind of see him speak with his father later in the film. It's a real important team. Um, he, uh, Lance Lee character, uh, didn't have his father present in his life. It was um, a strong reason why you know, he wound up joining a gang and then going to prison. And then he uh, is befriended by a grandmother who's raising her grandson alone um, because her husband passed away and her grandson's dad, her son, um, died in the war, um, you know, fighting in Iraq. And uh, and our hero, Lance, uh, who doesn't have any children of his own, becomes a father figure for this young man. And so this idea of that tension between absentee fathers and surrogate fathers and the idea of a village raising the child is really strong thematically. And again, it comes from my life and from Daniel's life. I never knew my dad. Um, and so I was raised by a community, first the, the Harlem and the Bronx community, the church community, and then the movement community when I joined the Black Panther Party and, um, you know, had 
had strong male role models, but also a painting Shakur Tupac's mom, who was who was there in like a Miss Maddie kind of way for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to explore that tension and that dynamic and that dance between what it means to have a father and not have a father. Have things improved in those areas, or are they about the same, in your opinion? I think things are improving. There are great programs like the Black Male um, Achievement uh, Program. That's a national program. There are mentoring programs. A lot of the um, uh, uh, organizations, uh, Black uh, College Fraternities and Sororities, uh, like Omega Psi Phi, my fraternity, and um, the Panhellenic Council have fatherhood initiatives. Um, even in prison, um, there's a, a documentary that we did about Daniel's work in prison. There's a fatherhood group inside of uh, Sing Sing Prison and other prisons like the Osborne Association. The fathers are making a conscious effort to work on their parenting skills uh, even while they're in prison and when they come out. And so there is an improvement. But with all things, a lack of education, a lack of job opportunities, a lack of early intervention um, makes the problem still a real one. And scary times when we uh, are seeing uh, a new administration where these kinds of things are being cut and ignored and people are not paying attention to the human needs that you have to have uh, in, in a community, the human services, the counseling, and that real sense that a village is involved in raising a child. It's important that we keep fighting that fight. And I hope chapter and verse, uh, you know, makes people reflect on it in, 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 in a deeper way. What are some of the like misconceptions of the, the Scared Straight program and as well as the certificates earned in prison? I think a great misconception in prison is that um, they are, that the men in there are, you know, from morning to night, gangbanging, stealing, using drugs, trying to escape, you know, that that the the level of violence in prison and gang activity relative to the men who are peaceful, who are trying to learn job skills, who are trying to stay connected to their family is a real disproportionate number. It's very, very low in terms of that uh, kind of violence. And so the other thing with the certificate programs and the scared straight programs, first of all, the scared straight programs, or I'll call the, the prison mentoring programs, are really effective um, because young men and women um, see people who look like them, who are giving them testimony about what happened in their lives when they were their age. And that's real. And that's contact. And that's just not something that you're seeing on social media or seeing in some film that maybe a teacher or a guidance counselor or community counselor is uh, is making you watch. But the other thing that is re- that's really important is that all the studies show that the rate of incarceration and that the rate of recidivism dr- drops dramatically in proportion to the rate of education. So the more certificates, the more education. I earned two college degrees while I was in prison. It was a great program offered by the University of Kansas, KU. And there are other programs around the country. And men and women who are able to complete those programs are more employable, understand the circumstances better, can go into different fields. And so these are vitally important 
Um, we live in a society that has the most people locked up in the world, approaching 2.5 million people. That's more than any other nation in the world, more than repressive regimes that we talked about, more than China, more than Russia. And if you look at who's in there, it is no surprise that it's predominantly people of color, lack of education, lack of jobs, low-level drug offenses, all of the things that are a perfect storm for a modern-day system of slavery. The way to break it is with education and with jobs. Um, the grandson of the story is, is very creative in his own right, and we kind of hope the best for him at the end of the film. Um, what advice do you have for other uh, minorities or African-Americans who want to get into the creative field? Um, I spoke with one, I was actually a, a young uh, Muslim director who said that he's telling stories people aren't telling. Uh, if you just want to, what, what advice would you have for like young African-Americans who want to get into the, the film industry? Um, uh, hang on to your dream, first of all, and know that there will be, as with any profession, some challenges and some stumbling blocks. Learn the art of storytelling, take screenwriting workshops, take directing workshops, hang out on crews with more experienced directors, build your networks of people who believe in what you're trying to do. Make as many films as possible. Don't think that you have to wait and you shouldn't wait for that, you know, first, you know, big break that, you know, that studio movie. Make little films um, with little cameras and then bigger films as you do it. Get your portfolio of stories together. Um, Barry Jenkins' first film, uh, Medicine for Melancholy, uh, he made for about $15,000 uh, with friends from college that he went to film school with uh, in Miami. And uh, it's a beautiful film. Um, it took him eight years to uh, to make Moonlight, um, which, which is a tremendous film. He never gave up on his vision and his dream. Um, for people who have to work other jobs and do other things to be able to shoot your film on the weekends, that's okay. You're still an artist. We tend to attach a monetary value. I like people to, to attach a creative value and understand the personal uh, wealth in terms of telling stories that only you can tell. So hold fast to those dreams, as Langston Hughes said, because without dreams, life is a broken word, broken wing bird that cannot fly. I think we're coming up on time. I just got one more question. If you can um, quickly explain uh, the origin of the title, and then also if there's anything we miss you want to say about this film as well. Um, chapter and verse is a biblical kind of term in black communities when someone really knows the Bible really well, you'll say, Grandma knows the, the Bible chapter and verse. She can mm -hmm. quote any chapter or verse of the Bible. On the streets in Harlem back in the day, if you knew the streets that well, people would say, you know, these streets chapter and verse. Hence the title of the film. And, and you know, our main hero, Lance, knew the streets that well, even though he's trying to get from the streets. Um, uh, I, I want to say that the that chapter and verse was produced independently by uh, a company founded by uh, Cheryl Hill and myself called the Harlem Film Company, and we we uh, uh, we we are, are set up to tell Harlem stories and um, uh, Black and Latino stories, but also to work with filmmakers that want to tell those kinds of stories, um, and that the film will be opening at Mist 
in Harlem, M-I-S-T. And um, I uh, hope people love and support the film. The spirit of independent cinema is that we make these stories, but without audiences supporting those stories, we won't be able to make black independent cinema or independent film. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.